And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Lights up and away we ao. Welcome to another edition of No Breaks, a Formula One podcast from the No Dunks Inc. Classic Factory, proudly a part of the Athletic Podcast Network. I'm your host, Trey Kirby, and we've got our local F1 expert and a man who just found a 52-year-old love letter addressed to Francis from Gene. It's Graydon Gordian. Graydon, what's up, dude? I was trying to see. I think I may have tracked down Francis. Come on. I think I found a guy who is like in his 70s who resides kind of between New York and Florida, but is in a town like next door to where the address was. I, and he has the same middle initial. So I'm going to try to call him and be like, would you like your letter back? Tell me more about this broad. Yeah, what about this? Uh, yeah, okay, so that is the thing is, is it looks like his wife is a woman of a different name. So ah, I am definitely ah. potentially sending him a, a letter from a former lover, not his current <laughs> life partner. Well, that's a great reason to continue to listen to No Breaks to get the <laughs> updates on that as time goes on. We've also got our team principal here, D- JD, making the magic happen. Hello. In the paddock, you ever uh, you ever leave behind a love letter, JD, to oh. somebody that came back to bite you? Yeah. Oh, I left love letters all over the damn place. Uh, <laughs> haven't had one bite me yet, but I'm just waiting for the day. This man has love and lost. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, oh, yes. honestly, Francis was probably thinking smooth sailing from here on out. I sent that letter 50 years ago. No one will ever find it but there it was in the otis redding record if i'm not mistaken <laughs> it was it was an otis you know old time jams can't put them away but thank you for joining us live here in the slipstream team on youtube or if you're listening to the podcast later thank you very much send us some emails leave a comment uh say something on youtube any yeah. sort of engagement good for us i love engagement we're here to break down everything from the Canadian Grand Prix in Montreal over the weekend. So let's start with qualification on Saturday. What one, Graydon? Made for a very funky grid, the big results. Max Verstappen finished on pole for the first time in Canada, becoming just the fourth driver ever to finish P1 in Montreal. He's followed by Fernando Alonso in P2, then Sainz in P3, Hamilton in P4, and Kevin Magnuson and Mick Schumacher closing out the third row, fifth and sixth, respectively, for Haas. This is a crazy grid. Graydon, what stuck out to you from Quali? Well, first of all, Alonzo getting second was an incredible outcome for him. But what actually stuck out to me was how stuck the various drivers were once they went off the track and their inability to put the cars in reverse. Yeah. I think both <laughs> Albon and... Perez had to have lengthy discussions with the pit wall about how do you get this car to go backwards. Perez, in the end, was literally jammed under the wall. So that it's, there's there's a, a, a better excuse there. People but, were saying this was our first Formula One wedgie because he was ooh, straight up stuck the under the tech pro. But you're right. It was like, I don't know. That felt like they had to push a thousand buttons in the correct yeah, like, order to get it in reverse. Put it in neutral, reverse. then put him first to do this. I, they're just not big reverse guys. Are you a rever- I have a question. Are you the kind of guy who reverses into a parking spot, like at the grocery store or like when running errands? Are you a reverse parking spot guy? Almost never. Al- Almost never. I mean, I I am going to reverse it if I'm parallel parking. I'm not a parallel park by going in. Well, that's just the appropriate con- way to parallel park. Uh, I agree, my but not everybody does it. But um, I'm just I'm just pulling in every yeah. time. That being said, anytime I leave a parking place, I'm definitely reversing. Yeah, so it's very of course, easy. of course. JD, are you? You're not a part. You're not a pull. You're, you're a not a back in guy, are you? What? What do you mean? You're not a. Of course, I am. Hundred percent of the time. You're backing into the I'm parking. I'm backing spot? in. Yes, that is so course. off brand for you. I think. How so? I just think it's a. You know, that's a. That's a big like southern truck guy move. It's not a. <laughs> Look at not me. a debonair yeah, northern. Exactly. <laughs> hey, it's big southern it's, truck guy. If I'm in a Publix parking spot or yeah, whatever, it's exactly the context I'm talking about. Yeah, exactly. It's safer to leave the parking spot if you're 
facing outwards. See where you're going. Yeah. Okay. See what's coming. Okay. It's just it's a safety thing. It's a safety it's efficiency thing. thing too. I'm in the biggest hurry when I'm leaving somewhere. That's okay. a good point. Okay. You so, take your time getting inside, but as soon as you're ready to leave, you're ready to jet. That's right. Okay. I mean, I, okay. it's not 100% of the time, but it's, no, 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 no. I try no. to as much as possible. Unless it's the zigzaggy, you know, like the... Well, that's a... Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Impossible. It's that very case, difficult. And it's actually designed for you to be pulling in. But, yeah. Well, let okay. us know down in the comments. Are you one of those people who pulls into your parking spot in reverse, or are you a rebel like me and Graydon throwing caution Just to the wind? going diving straight in. Ass out, Valtteri Bottas style when we're yeah. pulling out of our <laughs> parking places. Anyways, qualifying, I think, was, was really fun. The wet weather conditions make for oh, awesome qualifying. And it makes for super fun qualifying. And I loved people kind of... All the, the kind of crazy judgment calls you have to make. I like how George in the end elected to go for slicks and it totally blew up in his face. Yeah. Uh, it was kind of funny to me. I'm not happy that it blew up in his face, but I appreciate the fact that somebody was daring enough to make you know to give it a go. And, you know, it was it was fun. At the same time, it did seem to. Uh, I don't know. I had, I had hoped that it would kind of like impact the race maybe a little differently than it would. But, you know, certainly Max on first game is no surprise. He just dominated out there, which is com- – I will say the one thing about Max and Alonzo on the front row is they talk about how wets – that's where you separate the great from the good in terms of driving. And you saw, you know, two guys who will certainly go down as all-time greats at the top of the grid. That kind of comes as no surprise, cars aside. Some of the best wet boys in the game yeah, is what you're yeah. saying. Soaking wet. But uh, yeah, I thought it was uh, I thought it was cool. Mick Schumacher basically was like, yeah, I can drive in the rain. As you can see, I'm a quality F1 driver. He had a nice quality for sure. I think this for was the sure. best uh, quality positions for Haas period. And they had P5 and P6. That was really cool. I thought it was a neat wrinkle seeing George Russell being the only guy to go for slicks. Wasn't it Spa last year where he was the first guy to slicks? Ended up with a great uh, quality, which got him his first podium last year just by lucking out and being on top in that wild three-lap race that we had. Uh, so, yeah, somebody had to go for it. It didn't work out for him. But... Hey, you got to risk it for the biscuit. Fun fact, despite everything George Russell's been last year, his highest qual- his highest final position to date on a Sunday is still in a Williams. That's is still weird. at Spa. Is <laughs> actually his best is race. Is Mercedes finish. letting him down? Should he want yeah, to be back? Yeah, should he go in back the, to Williams? Should he head back? Let us know down below. Yeah. But that's Saturday. Moving on to the race. We're going to take a look at the top 10 really quick, see how things shook out before we break everything down. Uh, here are your top 10 point scorers up top. Oh, yeah, baby. It's Max Verstappen. Another win for the Red Bull number one driver. He held off Carlos Sainz after a late safety car restart. Sainz finishing there in P2. Cannot get that first win of his career. Lewis Hamilton. P3, first podium since the first race of the season this year. He's followed by George Russell in P4, continuing his streak of finishing in the top five of every single race. Charles Leclerc came back, finished P5 after having to start P19, I do believe, after taking a penalty uh, for a new power unit. And then we've got, as the results went, we've got Ocon in P6, Alonso in P7, Bottas, P8, Joe, P9, and Lance Stroll in P10. However... On the last lap of the race, Fernando Alonso got a five-second penalty for weaving, which dropped him down to P9. So Botas up to P8, and Joe. Wait, sorry, is that right? no? Botas is P7, yeah. and Joe P8. So a couple of little changes there, but that's your basic top ten. That's your top point scorers. Great. And what was your big takeaway from Montreal? So I think there's a bunch of takeaways here. First of all, another weekend where. The Alpine is super competitive, looks like the strongest car in the midfield, and yet is a little bit snake bit yet again. They don't they don't end up with the points they probably should. But look, you know, like fourth is something that, you know, that they can absolutely achieve. That it's in their you know, the kind of destiny is in their hands as far as their ability to get fourth. And then I think the other thing that actually struck me was how I get that the title feels like it's slipping away from Ferrari or has completely slipped away. It's a bit slipping away might be being generous. However, I do think we're in for some very exciting racing this year because I think you've clearly seen some of the developments and changes that have come to Ferrari. It is racy out there. It didn't get creamed 
quite the way I thought it might at such a fast-flowing track like Canada. I, there was a part of me that was like, you know, I understand there's a late safety car and that contributed to everything, but I was like, Max is going to be 30 seconds ahead of Carlos or something. I thought he was going to drive away from the field. And that just wasn't the case, uh, which is great, which is exciting. I think bodes well for us as fans because I think it shows that actually the top two cars, if Ferrari just isn't so snake bit, isn't so self-defeating, we will have some really exciting races over the rest of the year. I do genuinely believe that. Yeah, I totally think you're right because, like you're saying, the last 15 laps of this race, basically after the second uh, safety car restart, were super tense. And it, super fe- tense. it definitely felt like Signs had a chance of uh, catching Verstappen. He obviously just wasn't able to ever pull it off and get the win there. You have to think if Leclerc is able to start something better than P19, he finished P5. He had a nice drive despite being stuck uh, behind some slow cars for quite some time. If he starts in a normal starting position, you know, P5 or higher, he's certainly going toe-to-toe uh, with Verstappen there. But Max did end up dominating <laughs> this yeah. weekend, no doubt about it. The best in quali, the best in the race. He's now 46 points up on Leclerc uh, in the Drivers' Championship standings. And he's also 43 points up on Sergio Perez after Perez had a DNF in this race as well. Kind of a bummer weekend for Perez. He had the wedgie and then a DNF. Uh, Not good. Um, You can forget for sure. A couple more takeaways for me. Yeah. Finally, Lewis Hamilton got some good luck. Oh, yeah. He hit the virtual safety car pit stop at the perfect time. He ended up with his second podium of the season. And for the first time this year, if I'm not mistaken, beat George Russell head-to-head between those two. Russell, obviously, still finishing uh, in P4. A nice race for him. But Hamilton, after uh, a shaky Friday, they were basically just experimenting with Lewis Hamilton. I think it's pretty crazy the way they're doing this. They're like, George, you got a good car. Go out there and drive it your best. We're going to mess around with Lewis, see if he can figure anything out here to make his car better. It did not work at all on Friday, but he was good Saturday. Then he was really good on Sunday, I thought. Yeah, actually, he had a terrific weekend and he at, at a time that he needed it, I think, more than ever. I mean, we talked about last week how what a critical weekend this was for Mercedes, that they really needed to figure some things out, and that this felt like maybe their relationship with Lewis Hamilton was almost reaching a breaking point. I mean, people were talking about him skipping this race, you know, and things like that, right? It's just the rumor mill was really spinning in a way that it made it sound like things back at Brackley were getting really complicated. So for him to come out, feel so positive, get that podium, come out of this week with a lot of momentum, it it does bode well for the rest of the season for Mercedes, for sure. At the same time, I actually, it solidified in my mind that Mercedes is truly third in the championship, not really going to vie with Ferrari for second, in my opinion, only because I think if you look at what Charles was able to make up. You look at how much Carlos and Max just drove away. I think as long as, even with the huge engine penalty, you know, as long as Ferrari can just finish races, they will at least bring home second in the title, I think. Yeah, I think you're exactly right. You even look at the final finishing, like Hamilton finished seven seconds off of the pace from Carlos Sainz there in P2, despite the fact that they all bunched up right together. And Sainz was obviously able to stick with Verstappen for quite some time there. They're a third-place team right now, but at least they were in the mix this time, especially with Leclerc having to start pretty low down on the grid. My other takeaway, Canada, what a racetrack. This was a really... Interesting race, I thought. Lots of overtaking, lots of close battles all around. A couple of safety cars. And the weather was kind of all over the place. I don't know if you can guarantee that for races. But it's cool when every day you're like, whoa, it's pouring on Thursday. Oh, it's beautiful Friday. Oh, it's pouring on Saturday. Wait, it's totally 0% chance of rain on Sunday. You didn't know what to expect. You saw uh, a a weird-looking grid because of the wet quality. So I thought it was a a nice return, no doubt, to Montreal. Yeah, it was great. It is. It's a it's a beautiful track. One, I was trying to think one of the very few like actual like circuit like tracks like m- made for racing that is actually in a city. Like most of the time they're way outside of a city, right? Cuz it's like a, this big sprawling space and a lot most of the city ones are street circuits. I actually off the top of my head was like what are other ones where it's just like an actual course but it's built inside the city? It's not very common, yeah. but I really like it. It makes for a beautiful makes for a beautiful venue. I guess Melbourne's a little bit like that. Melbourne's like 50-50, you know, but um, I li- I'm a fan. I'm glad it's back. It's a great race. Yeah, you we can should tell maybe people, go next year. 
We should definitely go. Uh, yeah. I saw Nora was there. It looked awesome. She had uh, yeah. seats right on the hairpin turn. I think there was even a Hamilton overtake in the hairpin turn. I would have lost my and mind. And then Leclerc it got two overtake. Leclerc's overtake of both the Alpines after the safety car restart were both on the hairpin. They weren't on the DR straight. Would have been a cool place. That's definitely a great seat. I think. That's the place right. to be. Yeah, that's a great seat. I Next agree. year. Yeah. Next we'll year it. we'll be there. Yeah. Up next on the docket, though, most surprising or most disappointing. Great. Now, I'm going to start us with a question we got from Caney. That's A. Cardinho. Gardino, sorry, on Twitter, who asks, what was more disappointing? Haas not finishing in the points despite starting grid position, both in the third row, or signs not looking really close to passing Verstappen with 10 laps of DRS. I'll start us on this one, Graydon, because I watched this race in a weird way. I watched it almost backwards doing Father's Day stuff, but sure. I dipped in for the last 15 laps and then had to go back and watch the last fi- or the first 55 to see actually what was happening. <laughs> right. When I was watching those last 15 laps, I was like, come on, Signs is less than a second. He's chasing Verstappen. He's got the DRS guaranteed. He's going to pass him. He's got this done. He's going to get his win here. But then once I went back and watched the race and saw how things were happening, Leclerc was having a ton of t- trouble overtaking as well when he was trying to make his way back up the field. I listened to the race podcast this morning. They basically said that the DRS is the only reason that Sainz was even close to Verstappen after the safety car. I'm like, you know what? Maybe that's kind of true because he didn't even like get wheels past Verstappen at any point. He He was barely even up next to him. The DRS was certainly keeping him close. It looked multiple times like he was going to be able to pull off the overtake, but just never made it happen. And, you know, the funny thing was he had tremendous speed down the straights between both the toe he was getting from Max and the DRS that he had for so many laps in a row. It looked like he was going to chance, but where he was losing it was actually in the corners. He was coming out. He just was not taking the corners nearly as sharply as Max was, who just was nailing them every time and coming out with maximum acceleration out of them, which was giving him just enough advantage to keep ahead. And that was... Uh, that you know that so that was really just some next level driving on Max's part. I actually do think there are even in the same car, there are drivers that Carlos would have gotten past. But Max is just so locked in. I think you know that that it just wasn't going to happen. However, Caney, in response to your question, I have to think that Haas is actually the yeah. more disappointing oh. thing. This is a catastrophe for them to start fifth and sixth and end up with a DNF and I think dead last Magnuson finished behind Latifi yep. at the end this is a that's awful I mean they this was a huge opportunity for points from Mick uh you know Magnuson gets a little unlucky with the way things start and having a little bit of damage to his front wing but it's this is a this is a really bad outcome it's really disappointing in a weekend where I think you would have said they were the odds on favor to or I would have probably bet that they would bring home some points for them to leave in that. I don't know. That's a huge bummer. It's it's definitely a disappointment. Oh, 100%. Say. The Haas heads were going crazy after Quali. They were yeah. looking pretty solid. Uh, like, great. At the very least, looking like they were going to get some points, but this ended up being their fifth race with no points because Magnussen, like you said, had to pit from sixth place early on in the race, came back in in 20th after having to have that little dangling part of his wing fixed. He finished 17th, like you said, the last of the drivers who actually finished the race. And Mick Schumacher retired lap 19 while running in the points. He was right there with Esteban Ocon and Zhou Guan Yu, who both finished in the points. Instead, once again, Mick Schumacher, it ain't happening. Oh my gosh, it's it's so heartbreaking. So just, cause think, just to like really hit the nail on the head with this question. Is it more disappointing that Carlos Sainz didn't pass Max Verstappen or more disappointing <laughs> that a team that started in fifth and sixth came home with no points? For me, it's the latter. Yeah, when you spell it out like that, <laughs> like, 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 when you spell it like that it's pretty bad. <laughs> the other uh, contender for most disappointing weekends got to be McLaren. Danny Ricardo finished out of the points in P11, Yeah, but much better okay. than Lando Norris, who was coasting the entire race finished P15, uh, basically after McLaren botched the double stack. Didn't have wheels ready for him. Oh, that was ugly. That was a really, that was a real mess. That that stop took forever. I, I couldn't believe how long he was standing still. And, and now there's some pretty bad vibes and vibes in Woking. I will say that this morning, you know, Lando was talking about how he thinks that this is the car. 
he was saying how he thinks that a lot of their good results have been kind of luck or strategy things, but on pure pace, this is McLaren, um, which is a pretty negative thing to say about yeah, how they've done yeah. so far this year. That's a very negative spin on their performance to date. So I I was a little startled by how dispirited he seemed. And it's definitely, you know, uh, let's hope that's not the case, at least for McLaren's sake. I, you know, I think the sport is more fun when they're competitive. And certainly they've got two super talented drivers, Lando, who feels like he's part of one of the kind of ascendant next generation. So it's more fun to see him in a good car. Hopefully they can figure something out. But they definitely are. They seem lost. And I think you're seeing that week to week. It's it's That's the thing about we like to talk about the cars like they're these static things, like the Red Bull is better than the Ferrari or, you know, where is the Mercedes in relationship to him? But the truth is, is, is that different tracks favor different different cars. And also there are radically different setups you can go with. And just and you can tell the variance is is almost the worst thing because it's a sign that they don't know they don't have their arms wrapped around the car and they don't know how to manage the car and to even get maximum performance out of a B or B minus vehicle. They're just trying things. And it seems like McLaren's a little bit lost in the woods. I wouldn't be surprised if they continue to struggle a little bit. So. Yeah, they're uh, definitely grasping at straws. It feels like the yeah. car is different and the problems are different every single week. But for the most part, there are problems to the point where, you know, we've already talked a few times this year about will Ricardo keep his place at McLaren? And you're even hearing now after this weekend – and a little bit after last weekend as well, kind of like, did Lando Norris make a mistake signing up to be here with McLaren for such a long time? Because McLaren was on the up and up. They yeah. signed Ricardo, uh, you know, to replace signs when he went to Ferrari. You're thinking, all right, they're putting a championship level driver alongside Lando Norris, a hot talent. Ricardo didn't figure out the car last year. He obviously hasn't figured it out this year. And McLaren, despite the fact that they're somehow ahead of Alpine in the Constructors' Championship, just definitely feels unsettled this year which is definitely a bummer for them because you would think after i suppose the 2020 season heading into 2021 they were feeling pretty good like they'd made some nice progress and norris was looking like a solid driver it has not gone well though no not at all uh not at all and i i think you're right we already kind of mentioned this slightly but it does feel like alpine is not getting the results and mclaren a lot of weekend is getting the results but actually I know which car I'd rather be driving and that I, I would rather be in the Alpine. It feels like it's the racier car and it's the one. And there was uh, – Alonzo ended up running into it. It sounds like there was like a leak issue or something that, that cost him some pace down the straights and things like that that actually hampered his drive yesterday, not just at the end where I think there were some challenges, but actually started apparently around lap 20. But prior to that, if you were looking at his pace, looking at his lap times, who they thought they were racing was Lewis Hamilton. Mm -hmm. Alpine was like, we are as fast as Mercedes and this is who we can race. So that's a very different conversation than we're racing McLaren. Yep. You know, so that, you know, so they're, I think they're very optimistic and I expect to see that. I, I would be surprised if those positions don't swap, you know, in it after, you know, another handful of races here, half a dozen so races. Well, let's get into our full beans driver of the weekend then, Graydon, because I know I'm going to be hitting on some Alpine boys, no doubt for sure here. So, Graydon, who is your full beans driver or drivers of the weekend who impressed you the most? Okay, I'm going to go with my my Alfa Romeo duo. I was super, both Baltas and Joe, I thought they looked great i thought they drove like a clean great super competitive race they needed i think a good one after you know they had been bitten by some gremlins and and some issues in in weeks prior so that was and i just thought they looked great i thought for me that was the surprise of the weekend in the good way was <laughs> like was alfa romeo performing so well so consistently across both cars so i'll i'll uh i'll give it to my boys uh you know my boys at alfa yeah the, both of them the duo yeah, uh, kind of a bit of an anonymous race, I would say, for yeah. Baltas. You know, yeah. he was just, he finished uh, P7. He wasn't involved in any super crazy overtakes or anything like that. We definitely saw a lot more Joe uh, on the broadcast. He was in some DRS trains. He made some moves and got his first points since uh, the first race of the season uh, in Bahrain, if I'm not mistaken. And like we yeah. talked last week, he had been coming close to scoring points again, only to see the car 
crap out, but not so much uh, this weekend. So those are some nice beans. I'm I'm splitting my beans as well. They're going to both of the Alpine guys. Yep, Combo beans for Alonzo and Ocon. Alonzo's getting them for the wet quali for putting sure, it P2 sure. uh, after Saturday. And then like you're saying, on Sunday, it felt like he was racing the top drivers. Uh, obviously, he was trying to battle with Verstappen off the jump. It became a race with Hamilton. And then later on, it kind of became a race for him with Charles Leclerc as Leclerc was coming back on and and uh, Alonso was trying to hold him off. Ocon, though, had the better finish than Alonso. Probably a surprise. He was a good teammate, I thought, towing Alonso behind him, keeping him in, in DRS range so that Alonso could finish as high as possible. P6 for Ocon, his best of the year. And he's up on Alonzo so far for the season. So shout out to the Alpine guys. It's very strange to me, though, that they are behind McLaren. They just had reliability yeah, problems, for sure. I suppose. But they've definitely been, I think they've been the best midfield team, unless you consider Mercedes a midfield team this <laughs> right, year. I right, don't know. Right. They're in their own tier right now. Uh, tier three. Ocon definitely, I thought, had a great race, especially because he probably single-handedly actually spoiled it's funny to say he spoiled Charles's race because going from 19th to 5th feels like a huge jump, but Ferrari had explicitly targeted a top four finish, and once Sergio went out, I assure you they were thinking, we have the pace to potentially sure. get on the podium, because if we can just get back up in there, we're actually faster than the Mercs. We can, we can really have a huge haul here for a guy who started the back of the grid, and Ocon almost single-handedly ruined that, mm-hmm. keeping him behind him sure. for a really long period of time. Yeah, so that was, I mean, that was... Really impressive driving, I thought, by Ocon. It was, I mean, it was a little bit because, like, Charles' tires were going, but also just, uh, it's not easy when a guy of Charles' talent is breathing down your neck lap after lap after lap to keep your composure, keep hooking it up every lap, but he drove great. What so. did you make of uh, Leclerc's race? How how much were you considering him for your beans? You know, it's funny. I thought, I actually did consider him. I thought that, but that's the homer pick for me to like <laughs> say it's Charles. Hey, 19 I, to 5 is pretty impressive. 19 to 5 is really impressive. And it doesn't matter th- whether your car is so, how much better it is. It's like, it's not easy to work your, all the way up. And there's so many factors that you have to take in, especially given the fact that so many virtual safety cars went by and they didn't take any of those cheap pit stops. I think, in fact, in the end, they did every their pit stop was a real one despite the fact that three instances <laughs> to get a pit stop so they they didn't you know, the, it's not as if they made a huge leap by like kind of cutting the line which you oftentimes see people do so that's really impressive however at the same time i was a little he was frustrated and i think I was a little frustrated with the situation when he got stuck in the DRS trains, got stuck behind Ocon. They had two, they had a bad pit stop that cost him. It just seemed like, in general, actually, on paper, it's a massive result. But it was like a, it was like a good, not great drive. Yeah, I think that's fair. He's kind of got uh, got P five on car alone, and you know, maybe a little bit more luck could have ended up P four or even higher. The last yeah. guy we got to give a shout out to though for full beans of the weekend, nobody gave it more beans than Gary the Groundhog at practice on Friday. Gary, straight up on the track, dodging multiple cars here. Uh, who was that? Signs, you got uh, maybe Alonzo behind Signs. Yeah. Uh, we were just re-watching this clip before the show. Didn't realize Groundhogs were more like rabbit-sized or like, almost yeah, beaver-sized. Yeah, this is a big animal. That's like it's huge, like a dog. Man. It's like a small to medium-sized dog. And I mean, F1 cars are obviously really, really low to the ground. And we saw what happened, like to Magnuson's front wing. If you hit a groundhog, I'm assuming that's damage to the groundhog, obviously, but also probably to your car. Uh, yeah, it could hurt. It could hurt the car. But uh, an F1 car is about the size of like a small SUV. So okay. if you look at him in relationship to it, I mean, that's that's big. It's big. They should Gary's have the, a big boy. I don't think they should have these on the track. I know it's a controversial opinion. Well, but. it's a it's a pretty wild, I think, you know, wilderness out there on the Ile de Notre Dame, <laughs> which they were talking about also in in qualifying how when uh, when Sergio had to walk back through the woods. Do you remember that? How he was walking back from his wreck, or and then I didn't he, realize he had to go through the woods. So he was walking like in the woods, 
and uh, like on the island and they were talking about how like Crofty and Brundle were talking about how, like how dangerous it can be in the woods there how like sometime a camera like cameramen have been bit by spiders or something <laughs> like that right and I was just like I was like you guys are clearly not like that you're like like not that outdoorsy that like going on like a walk on like an island in the middle of Montreal is like there's all these it's dangerous animals there, yeah I was like I get it listen ticks you gotta be careful you gotta check for ticks after something like that but spiders I was like, how many cameramen have been bit by spiders at the Canadian Grand Prix? I don't believe it's... All it takes is one, though. All it takes is one. And the news gets all around the paddock. I thought that was... But between the spiders and the groundhogs, it's like, it's it's a zoo out there. Jerry here in the Slipstream team is saying that Latifi ran over one of the groundhogs during FP3. That's t- Happy to see that that clip has not been making its way around the internet quite as a, much. A, very sad. And B, not at all surprised it was Latifi. <laughs> like it feels like that. Like it feels like if I had yes, to put my money yes. on the one guy who's gonna hit an animal this season, it was Nicholas Latifi. But as a Canadian, it's probably uh, yeah. more more accepted, or at least they're gonna yeah, hold yeah. it against them a little bit less. Yeah. But we want to know from you. Let us know who your full beans driver or animal of the weekend is. We're gonna take a little bit of a break here. When we get back, talk some news and answer some questions from listeners. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Welcome back to No Breaks. We got a little bit of news here before we start answering some listener questions, and you guessed it. We're talking porpoising. Great in from groundhogs to porpoises. After last week's show, the FIA issued a new technical directive hoping to address the porpoising issues that some of these teams have been having. There will be, quote, closer scrutiny of the planks and the skids, both in terms of their design and the observed wear. And there will also be, quote, the definition of a metric based on the car's vertical acceleration, one of my favorite bands, that will give a quantitative limit for acceptable level of vertical oscillations. I hate that band. However... Vertical oscillations sucks, yeah. They don't have the metric yet, Graydon. Yeah, there, there's going to be the definition we're coming of a up metric. With, we're coming up with a metric. They were supposed to be studying these vertical oscillation numbers in Montreal, but apparently some teams... Thought Mercedes may have jumped the gun and brought a new floor with them to Montreal, which uh, led to a little bit of a dust-up here between some of the team principals. I'm honestly pretty confused about what is going on. So if you could explain any of this to me, that'd be awesome. Yes, so it does... First of all, there are definitely a lot of moving parts here, which it does feel like the FIA is taking action. And it seems like the metric they're referring to is basically saying we're going to define how much you can bounce up and down. Yep. And if you're bounce up and bouncing up and down too much, you're going to have like to fix it. And if you're still bouncing up and down a lot on Saturday, you may not get to race or something like that. Right. Okay. So there's, so there's, there's, uh, there's going to be penalties, which I actually think is probably a solution that for Mercedes is probably not the solution they wanted. I, I actually think just being like, well, we're going to police this more is, is, I think they were hoping for a actual change to the regulations. Saying everybody's got to be this high. Yeah, which or means something then like we that. can raise our car and not worry about losing the performance. I think something like that. They did attempt to address it by bringing a second stay, which are those those like kind of poles that attach from the body down to the floorboard, okay. and they help stabilize uh, it to like help stabilize all the uh, the ground effect aerodynamics. They added a second one, which is against the regulations, and they were like, "Well, the technical directive is saying that this is the sort." of things we're going to have to do but in what is a weird kind of legal-ish nonsense thing technical directives do not override the regulations yet so it's like so the other teams were like we're definitely going to protest if you use that and you're probably going to lose all the points from this race and Toto was like 
they've called our bluff, and I do think they're right. We're not going to do that. I, you know, I, I, it was like, nice, I, nice. you know, so I, I, I think they thought they were going to try to pull a fast one, and the other teams called them on it. But he's definitely upset. You know, Horner is upset. Everybody seems upset now. It actually seems like almost nobody is happy in the way they're attempting to address this. But the various technical directors of the teams are meeting today, tomorrow, early this week, I think, to try to hash out exactly what sorts of changes will be required and what the definition, what this metric will look like and what the acceptable band will be because you're not going to have zero vertical oscillation sure. it's just like what is the allowable amount this is something that yeah we're everybody's making up on the fly so definitely less uh oscillating and porpoising talk i thought this weekend compared to in baku where it was just yeah. obviously ridiculous but apparently um toto and christian horner and mattia bonato all got into this pretty animated uh, yeah. on pit row and apparently the Netflix cameras were there so this should make for an incredible scene uh, come next year but my big thing from this is like reading through all the news on it it definitely feels like the regulations will take place for next year they ain't gonna change anything in the middle of the year which is what we were saying last year but they're getting their ducks in a row getting their numbers metric counting them yeah. up dividing them a hundred percent you're going to see changes next year and there's already discussions of things that might be brought in things like stuff that's illegal right now but could be added like uh mass dampeners which were used to solve this problem in the mid 2000s famously pioneered by Renault, gave them a huge advantage at the time um there were you know there's changes to the suspension that could potentially impact it there's other changes to the uh to the floor of the car. So all sorts of stuff that I think could potentially impact it positively. But uh, yeah, I, I, I would be surprised if you see anything too dramatic other than the FIA seemingly just saying, yeah, you have to address it. Like you <laughs> can't coming. just let it go. Yeah. You know, you can't just let it go. So yeah, we'll see. Maybe there's minor, maybe there's minor regulatory changes. Like I could see the second stay potentially being the sort of thing they'd consider. I I don't know. It, it, it seems like, a lot of variables there's a lot of variables out there it's really unclear what they're going to do they did invoke driver safety which is kind of a cheat code by the fia they do not need the teams to agree to the changes if they are saying we're making these changes on behalf of driver safety that is like their right uh to protect the health and well-being of the drivers so they so that gives them a little bit more flexibility in terms of like how far they can go Versus a lot of other changes, they need everybody to agree to it. So, all right. Well, at the very least, it's giving us a little bit of drama between Christian Horner and Toto Wolf. Oh which, yeah, they seem really mad at each other. Yeah, with Red Bull and Mercedes <laughs> not really competing this year, I'm glad that we at least get to carry yeah. that storyline over uh, into the future. That's the news for now, though. But Graydon, it's summertime. Ooh, let's hit the beach. <laughs> on the beach Graydon's like what's the beach what's the beach it's the only place to read listener emails and tweets Graydon you can't do it on a racetrack you can't do it in a classic factory you gotta go to the beach turn the brightness on your screen way up so you can see it I want to feel my toes in the sand oh that's exactly right how how would you feel if you had eight toes instead of ten toes you think it'd be better for driving or worse it'd be worse I think I think it'd be the same you think it'd be the same yeah, for think, driving? I don't think the number of toes But I don't think in general it'd be better. I it would like be I, better. Yeah. It would be safe. I'm not elegant enough on my feet as it is to be sacrificing toes here. So that, <laughs> Fair that, enough. Fair yeah. enough. It's more of a fusing. Yeah. You, you, we don't need to see the toes. Nonetheless, no, our, first, <laughs> our first question comes from at Raj Various on Twitter, who asks, do you think Signs and Ferrari should have gambled to pit for mediums instead of hards? during the safety car period. Damn, he was close for that first win, but Max was just too composed. What do you think, Graydon? I'm going to say yes, they made the right call. I understand that they didn't get first, but I don't think they would have... I think their best shot was being on softer tires, starting right on top of him, overtaking him. I think it would have been really hard to keep him behind. You know, it's it's not... It's not six one half dozen where it's the same problems Carlos had. Max would have had those mm-hmm. problems trying to overtake him. The Red Bull is faster in a straight line and then would have had the toe and then would have had a DRS 
and would have been on soft, uh, fresher tires at that point had they not pitted and had they just maintained first. So I think there's, I think it's probably the right call, even though it didn't pan out, you know, that I think it would have, if anything, I think they would have exposed themselves to slipping further down the field because then you would have had Hamilton on fresher tires as well. You have two guys behind you on fresher tires. And I don't know if the gap was big enough. I, I, I think either way, Carlos probably ends up second. Yeah, and I think that's probably the smart move in a race where you know Leclerc is not going to be getting his normal haul of points coming from further back. <clears throat> Finishing P5, you know he's not getting uh, the points associated with first or second like that. So you want to maximize signs to the most you can. Yeah. He was locked into second place right there with a chance to go into P1. Whereas, like you're saying, if he pits, he tries to come back uh, for mediums. He's dropping down the grid a little bit. Who knows if he's able to make his way back through. Though I will say... Leclerc couldn't pass on hards either. He could not get around Ocon at all. That's uh, when he had to come back in. Basically, like, we got to try something different. The car looked faster on mediums, as it does. But, you know, if you got a P2 right there and you know your number one driver isn't going to be getting 25 or 19 points, you probably want to take as many as you can get. So Yeah, I I think they probably made an okay call there, given, given the situation. So. All right, good stuff. You're complimenting Ferrari's uh, strategy here. I, I don't know if you noticed that. Yeah, I think that was it was fine. On t- I actually think their their strategy with Carlos was well managed. I thought. I thought in general they were confident. They were clear. Not having the two cars to consider at the front and not having another Red Bull to consider, I think, just simplified a lot of the factors and allowed them to be more decisive. They were a little bit less decisive with. Charles, they seem to be really waffling on when they needed to bring him in <laughs> yeah. to swap, swap tires. Well, they're probably also like, can't you pass Ocon? Yeah. You uh, should uh, be able to pass Ocon. And I think there was a lot, people were really unclear on like, how long can you drive on these hards? That was like a huge discussion the entire broadcast. You know, so that that was a, a big X factor that I think they were, they didn't, I'm not going to say they mismanaged it as much as they weren't as decisive as they were with Carlos, who I think they did a nice job with. And I really hope gets a win one of these days. Uh, he'll get a win. Uh, I believe he will, point. too. I believe he will, too. All right. Great question, Raj. Our next one comes to us from at Greg Hay Ooh. on Twitter, but also in our F1 group chat, Graydon. Oh, this buddy. Oh, co-worker right of mine. Really? Yeah. Greg and I used to work together. Is he a podcaster himself? I don't think Greg has a podcast. Well, with questions like this, he could. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if he has segues like that, though. Oh, my goodness. That was nice. Whew. Greg asks, black and orange for K-Mag, too strong? Should he have gotten the meatball Should flag he have for the, the little meatball. dangling wing he had after a little touch-up with Hamilton early in the race? I think, Greg, the mere asking of such a question suggests you think the meatball was a bit much. And I'm inclined to agree. <laughs> I'm inclined to agree. I definitely feel like we've seen instances where front wings are way more damaged than what K-Mag had, and they haven't shown the black and orange flag. And they've let guys drive. I mean, lest we forget, what about that one race where Hamilton literally finished the race on three tires? Totally. And they just, like, let him keep going? You know, I understand it was a guy the, very, with duct tape. the very last lap. It just seems like it, it was not that bad. And if they – it didn't appear to me to be shedding – shedding parts which is the real danger there is that it'll start like just throwing off pieces which is mm-hmm. obviously very dangerous and that is a reason for the black and yellow flag as best i could tell it was not doing that admittedly the stewards are you know the race director does have more information than we had but i felt like it was harsh it definitely ruined his race oh it definitely ruined his race pitted at p6 came back out in p20 and that i mean that was that the was end it. of the race basically yeah. um for magnus because they had even kind of a bad pit stop even given the amount of the changes yeah. like they like i think brundle was saying how he expected it to take him 12 to 13 seconds to change the tires in the front wing and in the end it took like almost 20 or something mm-hmm. so this is this is a really bad pit stop it's a it's a huge mess and i i think i'm inclined to uh i'm picking up what greg is putting down i think it was too harsh well, maybe you're being a homer because it was the right move to bring him in. I'm just kidding. What? I'm just completely <laughs> kidding here. Uh, I don't know the rule. I don't know like how much yeah. dangle you're allowed. Yeah, I feel yeah, like we've yeah, seen yeah. cars in much worse shape get called in for it. Though it was hanging on by kind of a thread. They said on the broadcast it's more about safety for spectators than, than like the car having a problem in case that thing busted off and went flying. Yeah, I mean, that's fair. I guess – and I mean, to be honest, do I know – 
the exact details of the regulation by heart? No, of course not. Like, I, I don't know. But I just feel like it's, I feel like we've seen worse yeah. out there and they've let the cars keep going down the track. That's all I'm saying. Was it Ocon who was on the radio talking about uh, how his wing was dangling? Because uh, I thought Crofty and Brundle thought there was a little gamesmanship by the other teams being like, oh, that looks broken. Shouldn't he have to come in and fix it? It's a pretty smart move. If you see somebody else's car, like, point it out. Oh, yeah, for Maybe sure. Maybe they got to get brought in. No, no, their race. no, yeah. Got to exploit every every little nook and cranny you need to crawl into to find an edge. So. Great question, Greg, but you ain't coming for this hosting spot. Not quite yet, buddy. Our next uh, tweet comes from W. Matthew Collins, who asks, does it realistically feel like Charles has any chance at the driver championship, or do you think it's down to Max and, wow, Sergio? What do you think, Graydon? How how loosely are we using the term realistically here? It's mathematically, it's mathematically possible. possible. It's mathematically possible. And I do think the Ferrari car looks good, although Red Bull is bringing upgrades to Silverstone, I think, and Ferrari is not. So it might be, it might look less close come the next Grand Prix. But I think that Charles can get back in this and make it competitive, make it exciting, make Max work for it a little bit. Like like it's not just gonna be cruising to a victory and the and and that Max sews it up way later in the year than I think people are thinking he will right now. I think that is highly plausible. If Charles comes all the way back to win the title, that is a Mega comeback. That's huge. That yeah. is a mega comeback. Like, uh, insane. And and would have to involve some big self-inflicted wounds on the Red Bull part. Like some things have got to go awry. Max puts it in the wall unexpectedly. They have end they have continued or like the reliability issues, which have seemingly been getting better, Sergio's race aside, get worse again for some reason. You know, the, something has to happen there. There has to be a luck has to start to skew Ferrari's way, and Charles has to basically nail the rest of the season. Yeah, I think you're exactly right. <laughs> like we I, need a we need a DNF from Verstappen for him to not be winning this championship. And we might I, need, yeah, a few DNFs. Like yeah, yeah. well, I mean, honestly, if there's one. If there's one race where Verstappen DNFs doesn't get any points and Leclerc wins, like right now it's a forty there's a forty-three point gap right, from so Verstappen to Perez, forty-six to Leclerc. Like one race where Leclerc wins it, Verstappen gets nothing, it's looking different. And this is and and the reality is is there are more races this season than basically ever before. There is you know, there are more points out there to be had. You know, yeah, it definitely can be huge swings. And we actually, I think underestimate the amount of swings we saw last year, which mm-hmm. we kind of think of as being razor thin and was razor thin right into the end. But actually, the title went swung back and forth. And at times, either Max or Lewis had reasonably large gaps on one another. So it, it definitely can ebb and flow. And while things have ebbed in Red Bull's direction, they could flow back in Ferrari's direction. I just think that you you need a lot to go right for Charles to actually actually pull it off I also don't really believe that Sergio will pull it off either my hot take is maybe this isn't a hot take but Charles still after all these problems Charles still has a better shot than Sergio yeah I think that's probably (laughs) true for for Leclerc it's been that the car hasn't been reliable enough whereas for Perez I think it's been more so that the driver hasn't been 100% reliable uh, for the entirety of the season where it feels like the Red Bull is getting more reliable as a car. I don't know. I don't know what I'm saying. Whereas yeah. Leclerc, you know, he just had a couple of didn't finishes and that was that was the problem. So I hate to say it's over, but it feels like it's over. Who knows, though? At Silverstone last year, we had a major issue with Max Verstappen. He didn't finish the race, and that was one of the changing points in the season that allowed Hamilton to make his comeback. So... If you're rooting for some close races or a, a close championship race, you need Verstappen to not finish one of these bad boys at some point. Oh, for sure, for sure. Or you need him to finish way further down the standings. Yeah. You know, like have some races where it's that's the real problem is that it's not that Charles can't win races. I fully expect Charles to win races over the course of the rest of this year. I would be really shocked if he doesn't win another race. But it's like 
Max is also going to win a bunch of races. <laughs> yes. And then if he just gets second in all those races, Charles wins. Like, that's more than enough, right? Yeah. It's like he's got to have some genuinely bad results for him. And that is something that he feels almost incapable of right now. He's so Max is so consistent right now. Yeah, Verstappen has been awesome this year. There's no doubt about it. So let's switch our focus here. This question comes to us from Ilgvaronis on Twitter. Ilgvar been here in the Slipstream team quite a few times during uh, the season. Ilgvar asks, should Ferrari rather shift its focus to protecting second place in the Constructors' Championship for Mercedes? With all of its porpoising and pace issues, Merck at least seemed to be the more reliable car. What do you think, Ryan? I'm going to say... No, they shouldn't. First of all, I actually think that do their their so their inclination strategically is so conservative that that it's almost no difference in like fighting for first and defending from third because they don't do the hyper aggressive thing <laughs> in the first place. You know, sure. like the decisions they make tend to be the same decisions you'd make if you were thinking we're just trying to preserve second. But also I do think the culture in Marinello, the culture at Ferrari is one of if you're not first, you're last. And that like we don't celebrate podiums. We only celebrate race wins. We don't celebrate uh, where we finish in the standings. We only celebrate world titles. You know, I, I, and I, I just think that that is the – and that has its catch-22. It has kind of a – they have historically suffered from kind of a – impatience factor kind of like maybe almost like a lakers syndrome where it's like we've got to trade everybody now to like get or like i feel like even more like nick's syndrome kind of like we have to like we have to do something to be better immediately next year or something like that and they 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 struggle with long-term thinking but i think that we i think in this instance it's like but i think at the end of the day that's a really wonderful part of the culture is like the pride the intensity the competitiveness out of that team and like they should they should keep fighting for first they should keep fighting for first and think about and at some point though you do have to shift your focus to we're not going to be first this year how do we be first next year less about how do we not be third this year that's the that's the attitude change I would have at some point in the season. Exactly right. That's why, to me, this question almost – it doesn't matter who they're trying to race here because right now it's a 76-point gap from Red Bull to Ferrari from P1 to P2 and then a 40-point gap from Ferrari to Mercedes in P3. They're going to beat Mercedes. They're going to I really this year, do I do think. And you want to have that win over Mercedes heading into next season when you assume that Mercedes, with another year to figure things out, will probably be a little bit more competitive. We've seen them get more competitive as the season goes on. You need a little momentum heading into next year. Ferrari definitely had it out of the gates this year. Will it continue over the course of the season? We shall see. Final question comes to us from IMR Brown. I'm R. Brown or I, Mr. Brown. What do you think? Hmm. I think I, Mr. Brown. I, Mr. Brown asks, do you guys think George can overtake my guy Lewis for the number one seat at Mercedes? Can. I mean, gosh, has he? He is ahead of him right now. I I mean, I think that the answer is yes, he can. He definitely can. I think at the end of the day, you know, this is a super competitive sport and there's people like Toto – are only so sentimental. You know, you saw this at Ferrari with Vettel and Charles where, you know, it didn't take that long for the Ferrari's attention to shift to Leclerc mm-hmm. away from Vettel and be like, this guy is the future. And at some point, and, and it kind of for Mercedes, the future is now. I mean, Russell looks great. Russell looks like a guy that in the right car will absolutely compete for world titles. And Lewis Hamilton, you know, while he had a great weekend, looks up, feels a little past his prime. He doesn't feel like he's at the top of his game. I do think at the end of the day, Lewis is still the guy who like motivates the team, knows everyone there, so central to the culture that they have at Brackley. So I think that's a big – that will give him a lot of staying power and there will still be a lot of focus on his abilities. But, you know, another year or two, if Lewis can't – if Lewis is consistently being you know, out-qualified and, you know, out-driven on Sundays by Russell, then, yeah, the focus of the team will shift for sure. Yeah, I think that's exactly right because Hamilton, despite the results this year, is still clearly the number one guy. Yeah, I think that he, like, is, he is. Like, as soon as the race ends, you hear radio messages 
to Lewis, basically like Toto apologizing sometimes, kind of recapping whatever may have had in the race, talking about strategy. You always hear about Lewis first, despite the fact that Russell has been top five in every single race this year. Next year, though, that might be a question. Obviously, this is a strange year for Mercedes. New drivers, new regulations, trying to figure out their car every week. If they're able to improve, but Russell is still ahead of Hamilton next year, I think you might start hearing questions. But for right now, he is the number one guy, and that's why it like is so exciting when he actually finishes on a podium yesterday. I do think some of that, though, is also is the broadcast a little bit where it's a you sure. know, Sky Sports leaning into Lewis as you know the go. It's not a bit unlike how much we discuss LeBron even when the Lakers are missing the playoffs, right? You know, it's like he is he is you know at worst the second greatest driver of all time and there's a huge argument that he is the greatest driver of all time. You know, so yeah. it's that you know so in that sense it's you know, I'm not surprised that they continue to focus on him, but I do think at some point the the team will have to to really think seriously about where they go from here. I think that will intensify if the car can get even better. Sure. Like right now, they know they're not really fighting for wins, or like a lot of things have to go wrong for them to win a race for like the up for the four cars that mm-hmm. are faster than them. You know, so it's like they're not really fighting for wins but back when they are again they're back in the title fight i think that is when you will see this tension start to build more because then it'll feel like as more like a zero-sum game like every time they're advantaging one they are taking something away Mm -hmm. from the other which is a chance to be the champion so We'll Great stuff. Thank you for all of your questions. Send us more. You can email them to us, nodunks at theathletic.com, or tweet them to us at nodunksinc. You could even leave them in the comment section on YouTube down below this video. Uh, you could tweet at Graydon at Mr. Gordon. You could tra- tweet at me at Trey Kirby. You could tweet at, J- at JDT Jason Doyle, I believe, uh, on Twitter as well. Is that right? Uh, that is correct. Yeah. That's all your Please. all your F one questions. Don't Straight ask me. Yeah, send them to JD all of the all of the technical all the technical questions you have about F one, <laughs> the real inside inside baseball mm, stuff. Yeah. Straight to JD. I mean, you can ask. I, I don't think I'm going to have much of an answer. Or if you so. struggle with reversing into parking spaces and you hey. just need some advice and guidance on like how to improve your, you know, you're reversing. You're reversing. You're reversing. Yeah. Yeah, you know. Some driver tips. Some driver tips and behind you, number one. Use your mirrors, number two. It's that simple. Where are we at on, like, are you a big swing back? Yeah, I got it. over the seat guy. (laughs) You know, like. The passenger seat is my bud. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, buddy. Same here. Cuddle up close to it. (laughs) You can cuddle up close to no brakes. We're going to take a break right here. When we get back, we're heading to Silverstone. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service that you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Welcome back to No Breaks. Got a good tweet here from at Greg Hay. He says, I don't have the beard to take the host seat. Wow. <laughs> but he does have a beard here in his Twitter profile picture, Graydon. So I don't know. If he starts but growing this thing he longer, he might easily get me out of here. Because Greg actually knows what he's talking about. And one of the things he might be talking about are the driver standings as we head to the British Grand Prix. <laughs> well, these, I mean, segue, are you kidding well, me? I mean, if oh. Greg has got big shoes to fill with these segues. I feel like Max I cannot believe. Right I've got Carlos Sainz on my tail, but he ain't catching me Just, with these segues. These Greg Hay segues. <laughs> Another one? Another Unstoppable one. right is, now. Anyways, here are your driver standings as we head into the British Grand Prix in a couple of weeks. 
Up top, Max Verstappen still with a 46-point lead over Sergio Perez, a 49-point lead over Charles Leclerc there in P3. Leclerc is followed by Russell, Sainz, Hamilton, Norris, Bottas, Ocon, and Alonso rounding out the top 10. As for the teams, Red Bull up top, pretty commanding lead over Ferrari there in P2. Ferrari leads from Mercedes. Then it goes McLaren, Alpine, Alfa Romeo, Alfa Tauri, Aston Martin, Haas, and Williams in 10th place right now. Our next race, Graydon, it's at Silverstone for the British Grand Prix, July 1st through 3rd. No sprint race this time around, though. No sprint race. But F1 did race there last year. A dramatic one. Lewis Hamilton finished P1, followed by Leclerc and Bottas. This was the one where Hamilton knocked Verstappen out early. He served a 10-second penalty, a drive-through penalty. Still come back to win it. One of the best weekends on the calendar last year. Graydon, give me your Silverstone scouting report. This is, you know, one of the iconic tracks. Very fast, flowing track. Some of the fastest corners in all of F1, uh, which is kind of what was partly so controversial about where they made contact last mm-hmm. year was, you know, it sent uh, Max into the wall at something like 50 plus Gs yeah, or something that, like that, that you know, a, a, like a, a wild crash. But, you know, so, um, you know, so definitely something that probably favors a car with a lot of pure pace, you know, a lot of uh, another weekend where I think, you know, seemingly the Red Bull is the, is, is the faster car going in. But I also think that um, not, Something where I think Red Bull or Ferrari, excuse me, depending upon the setup, depending on how they approach it, you know, could could potentially fight back. So, but for me, my favorite thing about Silverstone, it's my favorite corner names of the year. It's like Maggots, Beckett's, Chapel, Stowe, Cops, 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 uh, the Hanger Straight. Veil. These are, it's got tons of great names. This is like a bunch of, they've got a whole slew of just like, this is that, and this is that. You know, they got names. Not turn ones, not turn nine. They've all got names. How do you get a name for a corner? Like, what has to happen for it to finally get get a nickname? Just history? It's a, great, a lot of it's history. A yeah. lot of it, at least at Silverstone, I think a lot of it is like, what like chapel i think there was like there was like literally a chapel where they built that sure. corner and I mean, now like it's the monaco called ones are pretty obvious yeah yeah, yeah. swimming pool uh, swimming pool swimming casino pool. or with like the casino square one or whatever right uh so i think there's so i think sometimes they're a little bit obvious but i like in like spa i don't know where like eau rouge and like radion come from admittedly like i don't know so i actually i can't believe i i, I thought eau rouge had something to do with like red clay running oh. nearby in the forests nearby or something like that. The Ardennes. If I the know that, if Ardennes. I'm right about that, I'll be proud. Uh, yeah. But that's, that sounds like something. Put a pin in this, Graydon. We're going to need your top 10 corners in Formula One at like, some point. Okay. I so mean, say off the top of my head. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Even yeah. Lee Ellis can't go that deep on like a, like a top 10 basketball players. You got to get, you got to go full rubric here. I like uh, including uh, notable historical events that have taken place. Taking place at the, Nicknames at the... are obviously uh, nicknames are a big part of it. And huge and just like how generally cool the corner is, like mm-hmm. or or the part is. Like I would accept the tunnel in Monaco. Yeah, it is cool, and it's like a maybe cool not a th- tricky corner, but it's cool and it's fast, and it's like oh, you go into a tunnel. It's I don't know. It's kind of rad. It's very rad. You know, like, yeah, for sure. That's and actually think- where they got the name for Radion. People are like, man, this is rad. That's a rad one to drive on. And that is where that comes from. I'm almost positive. <laughs> yeah, totally. I just think, yeah, I just think it's fun. These and they're such you know these Britishy little names, maggots and Beckets. I don't know. They're maggots. Like, yeah, it's but I don't but I don't think it's like it's not like maggot brain or something. Like that. It's not like a funkadelic reference. I think it's it's some person's name. <laughs> Nicely done. Yeah. Nice funkadelic reference. Uh, but Silverstone should be a classic. We'll have to figure out when we're going to recap everything though, because like I said, it's. Practice on Friday, July 1st. We got Quali on Saturday, July 2nd. We got the race Sunday, July 3rd. So you know what that Monday is, Graydon. It's the 4th of July. We're going to celebrate the birth of this great nation. After that is the 5th of July. Possible day for it. But then, you know, Summer League starts. It's going to be a busy week. Is that when Summer League starts? Uh, It starts um, that Thursday. So the 7th, I guess. Yes, the 7th. So you're going to be in full Summer League prep mode watching old summer <laughs> leagues trying to think through you know 
this upcoming totally. summer league. Yeah, remember, yeah. remember when they had Kawhi Leonard come to his second summer league? He played one game and they sent him home. Just like that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. They said, you're too good. <laughs> but here's what I'll be thinking about. Something you can think about for the next couple of weeks. Okay. Chet Holmgren sitting in a Formula One car. Just imagine it. Okay. Seems impossible. <laughs> Seems impossible. We'll figure out when we're going to be doing that show. It'll definitely be the week of July 4th. Hopefully we'll have something fun to talk about because we're done for today. You can follow Graydon on Twitter at Mr. Gordian. That's where you'll find out the hottest scoops with regards to Francis and Gene. Unfortunately, though, the NBA season is over. So, Graydon, what media are you consuming these days? Oh, gosh. Uh, I, uh, I just finished the new season of Barry. Okay. I, I, I thought it was really good, but very dark. Mm. Barry is one of those shows that gets a ton of buzz that I haven't watched even a single minute of, but that makes me want to watch it. Like, I see so I many think it's really high good. quality tweets You'd love about it. it. You'd love it. Yeah, I it's think it's really, really good. You're really a Barry good. head as well? Huge Barry head. I haven't yeah. finished this season yet, but yeah. As an ex-theater kid, anything that kind of wiggles in like a weird <laughs> like acting nerd component while also having lots of crazy drama and violence appeals to me. All right, I love that. Maybe that'll be my summer series. Yeah. Checking out Same Barry. thing with like Station Eleven, like anything. It's like slip in a little bit of like theater nerd action <laughs> and I'm in. You know, so. Sounds good to me. Follow No Dunks on social media at No Dunks Inc. Anywhere and everywhere on the internet. That's Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, TikTok, and wherever else. You can send me and Graydon and, of course, JD some F1 emails at nodunks at theathletic.com. You can subscribe to The Athletic at theathletic.com slash nodunks. No Dunks back tomorrow at 10 a.m. Eastern on the No Dunks channel to talk draft with John Hollinger. Oh, John. Wow. That guy knows. John does know. That's a good person to talk to draft with. <laughs> That's why we're getting it. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great guess. Great guess. <laughs> Literally shocked. Whoa. <laughs> what I get. Great. Yeah. will be tuning in tomorrow. <laughs> I'm definitely going to ask John Hollinger what he would think of Chet Holmgren sitting in a Formula One car. <laughs> yeah. Just imagine it. it. Can he do it? We shall see. Clipper bros. You heard it here first. Have a great time. Turn up. Love you guys. Awesome. Stay speedy people. Vroom, vroom. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.